Welcome back to episode number 97 of the Fitness Devil Podcast. Today's guest, we are bringing back our friend Hannah Gray. She's going to be one of the speakers in September at the Evolved Canadian Strength Symposium. So she's going to talk a little bit about what she's presenting. We get into why coaches do not want to become commodities. You do not want to be pricing yourself down into competing on price only. You want to set yourself apart. We get into a lot of Hannah's work on pelvic floor health and training, primarily with women, but there are some implications with men, and her work uh, training masters weightlifting, so older adults, there's a big discussion on that, and her own upcoming time competing in uh, Olympic weightlifting at Worlds. This one gets a bit ridiculous at the end, so you may want to stick around for some stuff that just gets completely outrageous, and I hope you enjoy it. Take care. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We've got our friend Hannah Gray back with us today. Hannah was one of our first 20 episodes somewhere way back when. We're almost at 100 now. So she's here in Edmonton with us. And she's part of the team that Guido and I are on that uh, is putting together the Evolve Strength Symposium. Well, I guess the Canadian Strength Symposium. It's uh, Evolve is one of our partners and is uh, sort of the backer behind it. And this is in mid-September, so September 14th and 15th. And Hannah is also one of our speakers, which uh, we were rather insisted upon happening. So uh, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. I'm excited to be back. He threatened you to speak. Well, no, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> no, I'm excited. It'll be fun. Well, I mean, the whole thing came about because the, I guess there's lots of these events out, but you see a lot of the same speakers at a lot of them. I mean, mm-hmm. I can think of... A couple of guys who I, I like a ton, uh, thinking Greg Knuckles and uh, James Krieger, and it seems like they are speaking at everything that is has happened last year and coming up. I saw yeah. James at both Kansas City and uh, and Tim Arnt's event in Spokane, the Inland Empire, and James will be back there next year. And that lineup just got announced, and Greg is also speaking at that event next. Uh, it'll be May, and so and Greg was in Kansas City, so it's like those two especially are everywhere, and they're great. But uh, with our events too, we wanted to bring in some people, give some opportunities, especially prioritize our Canadian contacts and people. And it can be hard to break into the industry as a speaker. And if someone is interested in this sort of thing, then, well, if we can create some of those opportunities for people who've really earned it, then all the better. I don't believe in just, huh? See, like he threatened you. <laughs> He's like, you've earned it, so you have to go. You've earned it, so you have to. We probably know lots of people who'd be like, hey, I'd love to be speaking. Like, and then, uh, then he also threatens me, like, you no, haven't earned it. No, no. <laughs> go no. It, 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 you definitely but, have got to be, you know, put in the time and, and earn the credibility to be up on that stage. I think that leads into, like, what have you been doing lately? I think, like, what the hell happened last time? Last time you were literally just going to do a powerlifting meet. And you were just starting out on your own. Yeah, Maybe I think a so. lot of changes since then. <laughs> yeah, lots and lots of changes. Um, so I think last time, I had done a few powerlifting meets, but um, but I hadn't maybe competed at the national level yet. And I did that last year, so that was cool. Check that off the list. Um, this year, this year has been an amazing ride. It was really cool. Um, still at Evolve, still training um, independently, and. Um, lots and lots of different sort of new cool directions to go um, teaching these pelvic floor um, workshops with a physiotherapist friend of mine which has been you know a really great learning opportunity and fun to present to people and I think it's 
a really necessary piece of especially women's health that hasn't hasn't really been explored to its fullest yet. Yeah. Um, so that's been really cool. Um, doing some writing, um, finished my book, um, competing <laughs> at those. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff. You finally finished the, this book. Okay. I cool. finally, I, yes, I finished the book. Um, we're working on that and uh, competing at World Masters Championships for Olympic weightlifting in six weeks. And uh, what else is going on? Writing. I saw your daughter is stronger than you now. My daughter is stronger than me now. Yeah. It's um. But she wasn't before. Now she, she wasn't is. before, and she's not even sixteen, which is a little embarrassing. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I've, I've let that go. <laughs> That's like, that literally goes into like, we've been talking about the last few episodes, like early specialization, like how I wish, like, if I started powerlifting earlier, I'd be so much stronger. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> or just I even mean, lifting or anything. Yeah, like I didn't start seriously lifting until I was 37 years old. And <laughs> to watch my daughter get into that field and, and progress so much faster than me has made me, you know, um, <coughs> struggle with it a little bit at first, but um but also sort of accept that, okay, yes, I am in my 40s, and it's okay that I'm not, you know, progressing at the same, you know, at the same rate, but, um, but also it has made me a better trainer because it has made me sort of step back and say, okay, what is, what is reasonable to expect from, yeah. you know, age 40, age 50, age 60, etc. So. I guess another thing that's really worthwhile too is <clears throat> what's it done for your daughter's self-esteem and well-being on a lot of levels because I mean, I've seen it just posted as you guys are always down at the South Evolve mm -hmm. and you, you can see it. there's this person who's got a lot more confidence and self-assuredness in her and how she conducts herself. Yeah, so she's, um, she is, my, my oldest daughter is basically my clone. Um, girl um, so she you know she has a tendency to put on weight she can put on weight like a champ and so when when I got her started started in lifting she was um she was starting to notice like she's she's always been athletic but she was starting to notice that she was bigger than most of the other girls her age and she's maybe not as fast she's also hypermobile same as her mother and um and I thought okay it's time to give her something that she can really dig into that she'll be that she'll be good at and she can watch all those you know smaller stronger smaller faster <laughs> girls and say well you know what i can squat more than you so it's okay i can just be which me. is like and a great good. which is great ammo in general in life right because like, I, I don't know like i brought it up in bars maybe not in like a fight but like it's good to have that number on like you for when they ask or don't ask and you just tell them yeah, and then they're like, oh true. my god. So Guido was the guy walking around in bars going, yeah. do you know how much I bet? Yeah, and it worked. Yeah. Like, those things... Andrew, you're big. They, it works. Yeah, I don't often... <laughs> if I'm out in public, I don't often get any... have a lot of problems. So every once in a blue moon. I guess you're visibly big enough where you don't have to say it, but like... I don't like say shit. Said, like you need, sometimes you just need some ammo. I said that, but... <laughs> so Yeah, sometimes you do. And, and the, in, you know, the inevitable thing that people always ask is, how much do you bench? And... Especially in my daughter's case, she does Olympic weightlifting. She's like, well, I don't bench anything ever, but um, but I can snatch more than you. <laughs> I can clean and jerk you, probably. I, I wouldn't use that one. Yeah. Sorry, don't use that one. <laughs> What do, what, what, do we got on the, what do we got on the list today? Because I know this this one's kind of like, not impromptu, but I mean, we want to, 
like we've already done the Hannah talk, so like we wanted to dive into some of the, no, but we gotta dive into some of the shit that you know, especially like the pelvic floor stuff. But I know Andrew had some stuff with Eric Allenson. Hey, anyone who's been listening to this for a while knows I like to dig around through social media, find some, some good stuff to talk about. So one thing that started to be is it was actually Eric Helms' article that you shared called "Coaches Aren't Appliances." So this becomes something fun, and the way I interpreted that one is is becoming a commodity as a coach would be a really bad place to end up. So I'd hope you'd expand on what your thoughts were on this, why you shared it, and how do you set yourself apart and share some pitfalls on stuff that other trainers can avoid to not become like a, just a commodity in someone where it's a race to the bottom to price yourself the lowest. Ugh, okay. Um, well, it's interesting that you brought up that Eric Helms article because I had actually forgotten that I had ever posted that. And I, when you sent that to me, I went, what? So I went and I looked it up again, and yeah, I sure did post it. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to read it again, and um, and it's great because it's all about um, it's all about fostering relationships and not saying okay, as a coach, here's the result that I'm going to get from you, and so I, people end up going around from coach to coach and and expecting these results, where really what what we want to deliver as a coach, as a good coach anyway, is is a good relationship and a relationship that allows the client to grow and change and become a stronger, more resilient, happier human being. And it's not necessarily about um, inches lost or pounds lost and I got eight pounds off this person in six weeks or whatever. Um, it's not about that. It's about how you how you can approach life and how you can, you know, how you can make people's lives better. And it doesn't, it doesn't even matter to me if my, if my clients never lose a pound, but if they get stronger and happier and more confident um, and they can walk out of my sessions thinking, yeah, I can handle whatever life throws at me, then, then I've gotten something done that day. And, and I think that's the most important thing. And having that relationship with each individual person is, is not something that, that can be packaged up and, and offered online as you know, like an eight-week program or whatever. So something that always comes to mind is every once in a while I'll get an email or a message on something. And one of the first questions someone asks are, is uh, what are my rates? Mm -hmm. So I'll always answer. A lot of people won't. Um, I know that a lot of the big chain gyms, uh, including the one that we all, we used to work for anyway, <laughs> wouldn't ever divulge their membership prices. I mean, I understand why they're doing that because if someone is shopping on price, they're going to hire the trainer off Kijiji who is, charging 40 bucks an hour who will come to your home. Now, I want anyone to think for a second what what kind of quality you're probably gonna get for a trainer who's discount themselves to $40 an hour, who is traveling, who has the time and capacity to actually travel to you in your home with what equipment you do or do not have in your home gym, um, which most people don't. So I'm not thinking that's gonna be a really amazing experience. And there's a quote, you know, I can't remember, I'm bastardizing, but, Essentially, is that you think like hiring a good trainer is expensive. Wait till you hire a bad one. <laughs> what could possibly happen? Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and I go, I go back and forth on whether I should have my prices online. Currently, I do. Um, and, and my prices are, well, I mean, they, they are higher end for sure. But I feel like I've been doing this for just about 15 years now. And I've gotten pretty good at it. And I've, and, you know, I've, I've invested a lot of time and money and energy into being the best possible trainer I can be. And, you know, and all that time in the trenches has, has gotten me to a point where, you know, I'm 
not, I'm pretty good at my job. Um, and I think that, you know, if you, I mean, you get what you pay for, right? And so if you go to somebody who's just getting started, maybe you'll lock out, maybe. Mm -hmm. There are some great trainers who are just coming out of school. Um, there are also some awful trainers who've been doing this forever. <laughs> so, and some of the, some of the highest, you know, some of the people with the highest levels of education are the worst trainers I know because they've been doing it for so long and they're bored to death. So it's really about finding, finding the best fit for you and finding that person who's going to care and offer you the best possible service and, you know, and get you as an, as an individual to where you want to be. Um, instead of saying, okay, here's gonna, here's my cookie cutter program for your next eight weeks, and if you can't follow it, well then screw you. I mean, think about this too, for anyone who doesn't know this, but you have mentored under and coached with, worked alongside of arguably the best personal trainer in Canada, or one of them, for a really <laughs> long time. So, yeah. you know, you, you're that closely attached to mm -hmm. Somerset, so we snuck him in early this time. <laughs> uh, and so that says a lot yeah. too, right? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, my relationship with Dean is one that I value a lot, um, and I've learned lots from him, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been great. Um, also, you know, the time that I've put in with other people has also been awesome. Um, I think you can't, you can't ever go to too many places and learn from too many different people. Um, but it allows, learning from all those people, that allows you the opportunity to, like you said, build that relationship, because I think a lot of people, even we tippy-toed around it but are searching for prices they're looking for result to confirm their bias and we all know like a lot of this stuff is not difficult but you need to be able to build a relationship to tell them the answers they need to hear as opposed to the ones they want to hear a lot of the times and that relationship gets you in um, especially yeah, the step sure. around that issue yeah absolutely um and i think that i mean i'm never ever going to say no to somebody who wants to try something um I have a brand new client, I'll sneak a little anecdote in here. I have a brand new client that I've been working with three times a week for a month and a half, maybe. And, um, and she's done great. And, um, and she came out and she said, and she, you, could, you could tell that she was super uncomfortable about asking about this, but she said, you know, I really kind of want to try the leg press and I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but it's something that I've always sort of wanted to try. And I'm like, well, fuck yeah, let's, yeah. let's go leg press. I mean, you're going to squat today anyway, so yeah. why not, right? I mean, anything that you do, and you know, at where she's at, any time that she spends moving is awesome. So, hell yeah. Well, and, and, and to have that relationship for her to ask that, because like for some people, that's a hard question to ask, because, I don't know, they, they might assume a trainer is going to make them do that, so like, I won't have to ask that, but you mm -hmm. can't even get to that point if they're scared to talk to you about it, and then you're like, hell yeah, but they probably expected it to be like you to be egotistical about it. Yeah. No, you We're must do my program. program. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's coaching though. That's I actually have always tried to make sure my clients understood they can ask me anything if they want to do stuff uh, to let me know. They're, they get input into how I structure their programming with rare exceptions of like sometimes the young hockey players, young athletes, and they very much will just adhere to anything. That's what they're there for. Mm -hmm. You're telling them what to do. There's a handful of other types of special clients who are going to be highly adherent. They're coming to you. They want you to build it for them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I actually want their input because you can build a technically perfect program, but new people especially who are intimidated by the gym, they're probably going to struggle with getting in. So it better be, again, it goes back to the relationship. You better have a great relationship with them. Nothing matters more. 
But a scientifically optimized program that they won't do gets them nowhere. Yeah. They won't come back to the gym. You don't have a consistent client. They're not getting results. Nobody wins. But like that's the like even if we have that argument of leg press versus squats. There, if you posted that online, like you'd get hammered. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> but like to understand intention and like what people are gonna actually do. Like if you like do leg press and that's what gets them to their vault, gets them doing whatever the hell they want to do. Like perfect. We'll do leg press a hundred times today. Leg press is fine. Anyone who thinks that leg press is a bad yeah. piece of equipment is... But, like, that's what they're walking into. Because, yeah. it, it, let's just... I'm, I'm putting things in her, in her mouth, or her mind. But, like, some people <laughs> will go online and be like, leg press is bad. I'm not going to... Like, and they might not even get to the point where you they can have the discussion with you because they've already had that preconception of they read online because the line's filled with shit. I have an old physiotherapist yeah. friend of mine who... Yeah, there was some post about leg press a while back, and he comes in and starts demonizing it. And what the hell did he do? He, he cited some sort of very, very specific study, and then a whole bunch of other really smart people, again, smart physiotherapists like uh, we've had Darren Bishop on the podcast before, Sam Spinelli, I'm pretty sure. I think Sam there. Spinelli went nuts on there, actually. Well, yeah, and then it wasn't a negative dis- discussion, but they came in with a lot of information. No, leg pressing's perfectly fine, as long as you use the appropriate load in good form. And... It, Mike, uh, Mike Isertel did a seminar last year, and one of the things that they did as a powerlifting accessory thing was talk about leg press. You want to have something that's not particularly nasty on your nervous system, creates no fatigue in your lower back, but gives you leg training volume that is compound joint, you know, three joint hip, knee, and ankle movement, loaded up to do high volume work. Leg press is actually kind of perfect. So yeah. it's a great mass builder, but the bodybuilders have been using it for that's the explanation. That's the explanation she legs. used. Yeah. She actually used that exact. She's yeah, like, yeah, listen, I, lady. I busted that on, <laughs> on this lady, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? If someone likes to do it and wants, wants to do it, cool. Yeah. Like, it's a perfectly acceptable exercise. Yeah. I had a client a few years ago, this is back in the old country, where um, where he just, he went through, I think he went through three trainers before he ended up with me. And I, I had ended up, I, or I had started training his wife. And she finally said, okay, well, maybe maybe do a session with him and see what happens See if you can get him to not lose his temper just because he hated all the constraints of being in the gym and it just drove him bonkers. Um, and we had already sort of fostered a friendship because I was training his wife. And so um, so really, I mean, his only goal was to get out of pain, get his joints moving, maybe lose a little bit of weight. Um, and so we did a couple of sessions and it was fine. And you could sort of tell that he was like, well, I'll do what you say, but I don't really want to. Um, but then I think it was like his third session where he... He came in and he was all excited and he said, I have to show you this exercise that I thought up with this other piece of equipment. And I said, okay, show it to me. And so he showed me this, you know, this exercise. I can't, I can't even remember what it was, but, um, but I said, okay, um, show me something else that you can do with this other piece of equipment. And he was like, all right, cool. And so, um, and so every, every workout became like this totally disorganized, ridiculous, like how can we use this, this piece of equipment in a ridiculous way that it was never intended for and, um, and you know what, he moved for that whole hour and he sweat buckets and he kept coming back and he lost 20 pounds and it worked perfectly. And now I always kind of thought, yeah, I wonder what other people in the gym are thinking when they see this stupid <laughs> workout that I'm putting this guy through, but you know what, it worked great for him and it made it fun for him and he got the results that he wanted. So, oh well. And the whole idea about what other people are thinking actually is a valid concern. Mm-hmm. Some people will say it doesn't matter what the gym members and people are seeing you do with the client. Sure, this stuff is legit. But guess what? You're there working full-time with a ton of people, established reputation. 
the member base are going to see the predominant amount of stuff that you're doing that's going to be very, very technically sound. Guess what? There's this one dude with a bunch of weird shit going on. I don't think people are going to judge that too much. If we know the type of people, the members who are always doing dumb shit, trainers who are always doing like stupid fucking crap, everything is on an unstable surface. Yeah. And you just know those people. It's They're e not But it's easy. It ties it all back to the it's beginning. Easy. It's like they're judging you and then you like, hey, I squatted 315 pounds or what is it? What's your squat? My squat? Was yeah. About 290. 290. Right? You walk up with your 290 and then like shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's what you would do. If they were like, oh, did you see Hannah? She's doing all this. This guy is doing neck extensions on the on the quad extension machine. <laughs> yeah, but I squatted too heavy. Well, I know what you're doing. It's social proof. Will, but that social will, proof, though, like this. I won't name who, but <laughs> you somebody can do in our industry, this, and this does not get said, but somebody in our industry uh, got in on, some, on a post of mine a while back. And there was a discussion about some squat mechanics and so there was a bit of back and forth and again smart physios that i know are refuting this guy and this guy makes a comment to say oh i did this before and i did it better than you and when i see that kind of arrogant condescending bullshit, it's like no nah, i'm done with you you've lost all credibility so i won't take that path yeah and really at the end of the day it's not about what we look like or what we can do it's about what we can you know what we can do for the client and what the client wants and if the client is getting what they want and if they're getting stronger and if they're seeing the results that they came there for then who this cares? is this is actually perfect because this is kind of what we wanted to get into um, kind of like a preview preview so to speak of your September presentation and kind of what it's about but it's about helping clients redefine who they are so can you kind of elaborate on that because I feel like that's where that was going anyways yeah a little bit um, and that's Kind of where I live most of the time. Um, so my presentation is going to be on you know getting those clients to keep coming back because because we're giving them not only the skills in the gym but the skills in life to approach with confidence and be happy and resilient and you know just know that they can handle whatever life throws at them. Um, and what I want to I guess the the central message of, of the presentation is we want to start with strength and start with getting people strong so that because whatever makes you physically strong makes you mentally strong too. And if you can walk into the gym and say, yes, I can do that instead of, oh my God, maybe I can't do that. Um, then we've done our job, right? So most of our clients come to us because they are not sure that they can get it done on their own. They're a little bit afraid of being in the gym. They're not sure if they can do this. Um, they've probably tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna present a different sort of path instead of saying, okay, well, here, you're gonna follow my program and you must drink eight glasses of water a day and you must spend three hours a gym in the week and you must do this and you must do that and you must stop eating all the junk food and <laughs> stop doing all the things that you enjoy. Um, and instead say, okay, we're gonna get you stronger and I'm, I want you to be able to do all the things that you want to do. And I also want to make you think, yeah, I can make this happen on my own. Because really, at the end of the day, we want to be working ourselves out of a job, right? It's never going to happen if we do our jobs right. But, um, but we want to be able to leave people in a place where they're like, yeah, I don't need a coach anymore. I got this. Um, well, it's also, it can also be a backdoor mechanic to get them to do those other things. Because once they start seeing the strength stuff, then they're like, then the last, it's almost like it's their idea. Yeah. At that point, not your, not your strict, 
set of guidelines. If it becomes their idea to do it when yeah. they're ready, they're far more likely to adhere to it. All your clients are going to be like, you got yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was having this conversation with one of my clients yesterday, and she was having a bit of a setback. Um, and she came to me because she was having some, um, some real issues with her foot mechanics. And, um, and we, we got those out of the way in the first few months, and now she's just gotten crazy strong. This is a lady in her 60s, and she's, you know, she's got a 225-pound deadlift on any day of the week. Um, she's super strong, and she's great to work with. Um, but when she came in, she was a little bit afraid and she'd been dealing with these feet problems. She'd been walking on crutches for almost a year. Um, and so she had spent, she'd been to this cocktail party where she'd been on her feet for five hours. And so she'd had a little bit of a setback with her feet. And she came in yesterday and we, we ended up spending, you know, probably most of the hour just getting her feet moving again. And that was okay. And she said, you know what? She said, I was really, really worried that, um, that I was going to go back to that place where I couldn't walk and couldn't do anything. But she said, but she said, now that, now that I'm strong and now that I know, she said, I can, she said, I can, I can take this stuff in stride and I know I will get through it and it might be a little step back, but it's going to be okay. And she said, I never, ever would have thought that way six months ago. And I thought, that's what we're, that's what we're here for. That's what we're after. I think anyone who's been doing this for any length of time has got a lot of stories about how mm -hmm. you've got a client whose life is completely altered and changed for the better just because of this experience. Yeah. And I think it's probably turned all of our lives around. I know it's like saved my life many times over right? to yeah. have devoted myself to this stuff and, and have all everything. I've said this, everything good that I have in my life is directly or indirectly the result of a career in fitness mm -hmm. and a devotion to it. Yeah. Even that ability to, we'll call it capacity, but she she understands now the other side because unless you show it to her she doesn't know the opposite end of that because her mm -hmm. own thoughts are like well my foot hurts every time i do this and you're showing her the other like if you do this you can have more options so to speak yeah you can go to those events and yeah it'll hurt but you can do that and then the next event you can do for six hours it's just a matter of showing them the path i guess yeah pretty much and just showing people that there's there's a way out of the out of you know, mm -hmm. the trap that you're in, you're not, you're not trapped by your body and you're not trapped by pain. It's temporary. Mm -hmm. And if you just approach it with the right mindset, you can get through it. People are superheroes. We can get through anything. We're super resilient. Um, but we have to know that we are. Yeah, I agree. I also know that like most people, even if you show them, like, they're resilient enough to be in foot pain with crutches and still like get through the day year after year. Like there's people, like if you can do that, it, the other end is the same idea. It's just yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, we we mentioned pelvic floor health earlier. Oh yeah, let's, yeah. let's actually tackle that one. And nobody wants to talk about no, this stuff. No one wants to talk <laughs> about it. Even well, even pelvic floor is like just not a sexy term, regardless of the parts involved. Yeah. And I think it's, it's often glorified. Like the, like it's easy to shit on CrossFit, but in their world, they probably have actually done more to bring it to the forefront. And but they usually have it sort of as a badge of honor to leak on the platform, which... I thought that was more powerlifting. Well, powerlifters too, but it's I think... It's become everything, though, yeah. right? Like, yeah. all the barbell sports, CrossFit, anything where, you know, where it's like a hardcore thing to do, quote-unquote, um, it's almost like this badge of honor that you're leaking on the platform or leaking when you're, when you're doing your stuff. It's um, at least getting it into the forefront, which creates the opportunity to, for you and Keely to say, okay, guys, it actually doesn't have to be this way. So... Tell us more about what's going on with that stuff. Yeah, so um, 
so like we were saying, it's it's almost become like this badge of honor. Um, so as far as the pelvic floor stuff goes, pelvic floor training is really interesting because it's, and it's not just particular to women, but it's become, because of CrossFit and because of, you know, all these, you know, more harder core sports that um, that are becoming more and more popular and women are, women are training with heavier and heavier weights, which is awesome. Um, but especially people who have had babies and it's even becoming a thing with, you know, with younger women who are, you know, even in their early 20s who have never had babies and they're having problems with leakage. Um, and really when you, when you take a step back and you look at strength training and people, people talk a lot about how, um, how men and women have the same muscles in the same places and we can do the same programming. Yes, that's true, except for the pelvic floor and our pelvic floor anatomy is, is really different which is not to say that men don't run into problems with this too, which I'll touch on later, but, um, but, but for women, um, we don't have the same structural support in our pelvic floor that men do, and our pelvic floor just takes a little bit more, um, a little bit more special treatment and a little bit of babying, um, no pun intended, um, to, to, keep it, to, to keep it strong and to keep it healthy. And, um, and when you get, these women who are, you know, who are belting up to lift huge weight, um, we really need to do a little bit of extra work to keep to keep that healthy and to make sure that leakage isn't happening. So, is um, that from the angle, like, because you said it's like different? Like, what's what's the, what's the main factor there, other than um, having babies? The main factor is that there's an extra hole in that in that oh, yeah. floor of muscle. Okay, right. I'm just trying to picture. I know that sounds like sorely creating crazy amounts of interstitial pressure under bracing against crazy amounts of load and there is a potential for quote leakage right yeah absolutely and um and we also don't have the long urethra that men do yeah. um no it's good to know because like people really hear this because i'm uh, listening and i'm like mm -hmm. i'm like we have the same i'm like just trying to picture a pelvis in my head but that makes a lot of sense when you say that like Duh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have uh, fifty percent more holes in that yeah. um, in that floor of yeah. muscle, and we also don't have the the long urethra that that men do. So, um, so of course leakage is going to start happening, which is not to say that it is normal, and that is the problem at mm -hmm. this point that we're running into is that you know you get the CrossFitters and the you know and the lifting coaches who are usually men. Um, and you know, and all the all the research on strength training has been done on men too, up until you know the last five years maybe, um, and so we get this sort of male dominated um, male dominated viewpoint that, yeah, it's normal. It's just it's something that's going to happen, and it's like, well, yeah, it's common, but it's not normal. And if that's happening, then you've got some work to do, and it is trainable, so it doesn't have to happen. I think it is worth pointing out that the, the whole fact that it's in the forefront and these sports are saying it's okay does take some of the stigma away from it. So when it happens, women especially don't have to feel embarrassed about it. I think sure, there's a yeah. major positive there, but it's good, like you guys are doing, to let people know there's also a way to address it. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that we should have to be ashamed of or that um, that we should have to you know hide away and, and be embarrassed about, but at the same time, it's just something that, that can be trained. It's like rounding your back when you deadlift. Does it happen? Sure, it happens to everybody. But does it does it mean that that's how you have to live forever? No. You can get stronger and you can get through that shit. So. Like, what's like the main thing that they do? I know, like, let's just talk about it. 
<laughs> like, what's like the, the t- like if people are going to listen to this, like, what's like the number one thing that intervention wise? Uh, for pelvic floor health? Yeah. Okay, so everybody thinks that it's Kegels. Oh, that, like, that's what I mean. I was going to be like, <laughs> it's Kegels, but obviously not. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the common knowledge up until now is that, you know, you do your Kegels and that won't happen. But, um, but Kegels, Kegels have their place for sure. Um, they're great for toning your pelvic floor back up after you have a baby or, or getting that voluntary muscle functioning again. Um, but our, the muscle tissue down there is about 50-50 voluntary and involuntary. So we've got to get that involuntary muscle working again. And, um, and the biggest thing is breathing properly and learning how to brace with, with your diaphragm and your pelvic floor in the right place so that you have the support to bear the weight. Because the diaphragm and the pelvic floor are, you know, they're, they're sort of like the roof in the basement of, of your abdominal canister, if you think of it. And it's like a jellyfish, right? And so when the diaphragm comes up, the pelvic floor comes up. And so when the diaphragm comes down, the pelvic floor comes down. Um, so we want to make sure that everything's moving properly. Um, if you're not breathing right, then diaphragm's not going to move right and the pelvic floor is also not going to move right because you can do all the kegels you want but if your pelvis in the wrong position it's not you're not getting that that yeah, pressure exactly and, and all the kegels in the world aren't going to help all that involuntary muscle work properly so the involuntary muscle is is connected to the diaphragm so we need to get the breathing right before anything is going to work right um the one thing that led me to think about it was if we, if we think about guys, so guys don't know shit about it, like, all. But you can almost, but, but you can almost, even if you didn't know that, if you're teaching some of those mechanics anyways, you almost get, you kill two birds with one stone. Not, but they probably don't even know that they're doing that, but mm-hmm. that's where kind of teaching proper technique almost inadvertently trains that position, I guess. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and really good coaching is always, is always going to be the answer to that problem, but, um, but also we have to, you know, understand um, it. You have to understand it and you have to understand that when, you know, w- the way I learned to lift, um, it was always, you know, you put on your belt yeah. and you brace out and you push into that belt and you push everything down. Mm-hmm. But as a woman, if you're pushing everything down, you're just putting extra pressure on that mm-hmm. sheath of muscle at the bottom that maybe doesn't have the integrity to bear well, that kind of pressure. Well, they've even like done it with the belts. Like if your pelvis is in a line, let's just say it's dip forward and use the belt, it almost strengthens that position as opposed to mm-hmm. the stacked one. Yeah, so exactly it's almost right. like it, it holds them together, but if you're in the wrong position, it would almost make it worse, I would assume. Yeah, and then it becomes like a tube of toothpaste yeah. problem where, you know, yeah. if, you, if you put a clamp across a tube of toothpaste and then step on it, yeah. stuff is going to go somewhere. Yeah, that's actually like... It's cool. It's, it's funny because I wouldn't have coached it that way, but I had no understanding of it. So I was probably good, but like like I said, I, I yeah. So the tube of toothpaste just got me thinking about shit coming out the other end, literally. Well, you so can't, well, but, yeah. but it, but it yeah. does. Yeah, it's so, like, it's not, you're not wrong. It does. Yeah. And, you know, and, I, and I did work with a girl for a while on her deadlift where she was, you know, she was having problems with leakage and everything was, everything was stacked up right and everything was where it needed to be. And the only problem was that her belt was too tight. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, let's let your belt out once. So. And with some women, well, a lot of women, the belts are made, like, they're super, I'm making like a thickness measurement here, but a lot of the standard belt measurements are built for big dudes. And like, they don't fit between women's ribs. Like, it's like, so like having thinner belts sometimes that actually like encapsulate the right spot instead of pinging down on certain points is better even. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, it depends on your anatomy, too. I mean, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, like I'm just thinking, like, smaller women. Like, I've seen smaller women with huge belts, and it's not doing what they think it's supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Especially for the really tiny women who end up having to put the belt up around their ribs. But they have to. It's, like, as big as their yeah. ribs. Yeah, because there's nowhere else for it to go. I suppose um, if someone is really interested in this, I, I think this is somewhere where you can reach out to Hannah privately and we'll make sure everybody knows where to find you anyway if they have more questions. No pictures. This is probably the sort of thing that someone's <laughs> like thinking they're going, oh wow, like I deal with this too. Mm-hmm. And it might not be something someone feels like having a public discussion on like Facebook about. So just straight up go and email Hannah, contact or whatever, and ask her about it. And, and if it's something that you want to work with, like you are someone who is specializing in training this stuff. Uh, and there's not a lot of people out there who are really, like, have any sort of education. It's the only, one of the few people I can think of, ironically male, would be Tony Genelcore, who has been doing some stuff with this. But Tony is a world-class uh, fitness professional who is going to educate himself on that sort of stuff. So, you know, if you're looking for more information, I think Tony's also doing some good work, too. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're dealing with women. And I think, I don't know the numbers, but, like, most of my clients are women, too. So, like, that's probably, even as a trainer, it's probably good to go figure that out. I'm, like, thinking right now, I'm like, fuck, I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, um, we're going to offer um, offer a training, training the trainers kind of course for, um, for whatever trainers want to come and learn about that stuff. Because, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, most of your clientele is probably going to be women anyway, just because women are, are the bigger population who are, you know, consuming fitness products. Yeah. And then... Uh, that's what I meant to say. So. Like the, there's more women consuming fitness products. Like I think that's yeah. actually the truth. It is. It yeah. is absolutely. And um, and so any trainers who want to come and learn how to train this stuff, um, we're going to offer a course in September. Does it have some like crazy name? Uh, we haven't named it yet. So we're on the platform. To... <laughs> yeah. No, that's not the... the T on the P. <laughs> I, we have to have some light jokes. Like I know some people will think like that's not politically correct. It's like you know what we're talking about. P. Yeah, it's already gone out the that, window. We have said way like, less politically correct shit on this podcast than that. So yeah, and you have to laugh at yourself. And I think we've only ever gotten that. We're not going to go there, but we've only ever gotten into like <laughs> like trouble with one person, and it's complete bullshit. It, so. it just shows like how much my mind wants to go back to like junior high. You're like men have longer urethras, and I'm just like laughing. I'm head. I'm like that's such a good answer, but like I want to say it like. Yeah, and there's men no have, delicate way to yeah, say it, right? Like I mean, men have dicks, and it's longer. Pee through a longer tube. <laughs> I'm glad we got but, there because I really, I've been thinking about that for the last like ten minutes. I'm like, that so was this, such this a is, great. This answer. is where this podcast has got to be descending into poop and pee jokes. Well, no, it's just like this is the reason why this shit doesn't get talked about because like you talk about it that way, but like in my head, I'm like, what the hell is she talking about? Oh yeah, like urethra, but like there is a communication barrier with this stuff. Partially because it's not talked about, and then when it's talked about, it's talked about in a way where people don't understand. Like, you know, yeah. like men have penises, women have vaginas, and are it's you, different. But are like, you that's done. <laughs> well, are you done? Because oh I think God. that's I think that's a good way to because go. To, you're, yeah. you're probably just now our based on what you just said. Now our podcast is transphobic because you don't even say shit like that anymore. Well, well, like that. You have whatever you got. It just yeah. changes shit. That's yeah. there's my there's my yeah, synopsis. And whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's you can go one of two ways. Whatever's between your legs is going to change how you lift. Yeah. There we go. Okay, next. Does it change if you have a longer <laughs> urethra than, like, most people? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, uh, I was for him to go there, too. All uh, right. Like, let's just say sure your urethra's short. <laughs> Uh, sorry. I yeah. think it's funny. Okay. But if it's thicker. That's what I mean. Like, there has to be an expert somewhere on this stuff. It's not any of us, <laughs> I don't think. But, um, 
let's let's go to Olympic lifting. I think we can be a little bit more serious. But you're getting ready for, and we kind of touched on this, world masters in Olympic weightlifting, mm-hmm. and you coach masters athletes. So I just want to get that yes, correct. What's happening to see this side of the sport grow, and how are attitudes changing about competing as quote unquote older adults? Yeah. So this is a this is a really cool thing that's happening, and and people are wanting to wanting to stay active and stay competitive longer and um, and so masters masters divisions in sports in all sports not just lifting but um, and crossfit has actually been great for this um but masters division sports has exploded over the last 10 or so years because you know 60 isn't old anymore and 50 is not old anymore and you know people are people are staying young and they're staying competitive and they want those opportunities to compete, but they don't necessarily want to be competing against the 25-year-olds because we can't compete with them. Um, so it's really cool to be able to offer these, you know, these quote-unquote older adults. I guess that's that's what I am now. I'm over 40. So um, you're both over 40. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, my dad called me up on my 40th birthday a couple of years ago really? and said. Yeah, it's time for you to stop doing all that stuff that you're doing. You need to slow down because you're getting old. And I was like, what? I just started. I'm just getting going. That's crazy. No way. Um, but but that's that's the crazy thing about it is that we can, you know, those opportunities are available to us. And we can, you know, and really I strongly believe that lifting and being strong is the fountain of youth. And you can, you can stay strong and you can stay functional, quote unquote. I know that's a buzzword and it's terrible, but... But you can stay strong for way longer than we previously maybe thought because we used to have this idea that, you know, when you're 60, you got to slow down. you got to stop that shit and take it easy and, um, you know, take it easy on your joints and stuff because you might break. And, uh, and that's, that's not necessarily the case. So If anything, what's being understood now is <clears throat> maintaining muscle mass as you get it 60 plus, 70, mm-hmm. 80 is one of the most important things to maintain both quality of life, but actually stay alive. So longevity, um, sarcopenia, if anyone's familiar with it, is just mm-hmm. age-related muscle loss uh, late in life. And doing everything possible to try to combat that is a huge part of actually not dying younger. Yeah, and I read a study a little while back that, that said that sarcopenia is not really even a thing because if you keep using your muscles, you're not going to lose them. Your body will hang on to that tissue because you're using it all the time. Um, I have a client, actually my longest um, running client, he's been with me for nine years. He turned 80 on uh, Holy shit. on Monday a couple of, couple of weeks ago. And so I brought my tuba into the gym. Oh, that was and that I made my And uh, I made my husband come in with his trumpet and we played happy birthday in the gym for him. You've never seen a room full of people <laughs> grind to a complete halt so fast. Um, but it was awesome. And... You know, here's this guy who's 80 years old and still killing it in the gym every single Monday. Um, and so, I mean, you, you don't have to slow down. You don't have to. I mean, you do definitely have to take some things into consideration. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to see progress as fast as you did when you were 20 or 25 or 15, like my daughter. Yeah. Um, and so you have to sort of scale your expectations and program appropriately but you can keep on getting stronger and keep on getting better for as long as you want funny thing is uh, you take a woman in her 50s who has never trained before Mm -hmm. and they start training they get crazy results that actual that age range especially if they're untrained untrained people do freaky shit really really quickly doesn't almost matter what you're doing with them Mm -hmm. you just set them loose in the gym and they're going to get stronger but they're I, i i can't remember the specifics of the study, but I know I read it somewhere that yeah, that women in their fifties, forties, fifties 
who are like untrained and they just see crazy you, progression you, rates. When you hit menopause, you start becoming more guy like with the testosterone. Like they can, but seriously, like they, they can, they can smash it after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, no, no dirty jokes. But like it's true. Like at post menopause, like you're built. No, but your ability to gain muscle is like for real, like better at that point. Yeah. More or less. More or less, and also, I mean, your your mental state changes too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're done. You're done with having babies, and you're done with you know. You might be looking after aging parents at that point, but um, the priorities but change. Like even even priorities change too. Absolutely. Like evolutionarily, like you're not having a baby anymore, so you can take that energy that your body still is prepping for. And if you decide it's muscle or getting stronger, like, I think that's totally normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I, I attended a conference on this um, a bunch of years ago on training women between the ages of 55 and 70. And, and at that, in that age group, um, women aren't old. No. Um, we used to sort of have this idea that, uh, that we were old at 55, but we're not anymore. Um, but that is also the age where people are the most um, susceptible to depression, um, women in particular aren't needed by their kids as much anymore. They, they're maybe needed by aging parents, but, um, but they get to this place where it's like, now what? I'm not good for anybody anymore. So now what do I do now? I can count, but, but you can turn that around and say, well, now you can concentrate on yourself and now you can like really do something to get yourself better and, you know, kick some ass in the process because, you know, sky's the limit really. When they have more energy to devote to that. Yeah. As we're like basically making fun of your daughter or like you're holding Hannah back. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till she's like in college. Your, your deadlift and Olympic lifts are all going to go up. Yeah, that's Possibly. right. Yeah. Well, maybe. We'll see. When they, do, the limit, right? when they do, you should write her a letter like, thanks for, for leaving. Well, you know what? She's, um, she's one of my favorite workout buddies. Oh, that, we that train actually, together yeah. a lot, um, and also my my younger daughter is just getting into weightlifting as well, and she kind of she's always been a sport climber, and she's awesome at it, and she's I think we were talking about the last so time ridiculously strong, and um, I think you were saying that she was gonna start it, but she would you, she has no, potential. She's, she's been doing it for six years now. Okay, I can't remember now, but I remember you talking about her climbing, and you're like that yeah. makes her so good at this stuff. Yeah, she is so strong. It's crazy. But um, but she came to me at the end of the school year this year and said, well, maybe I don't want to climb all summer. I, I'm going to come and learn to lift weights in the gym. And I was like, really? Sweet. Well, that goes, That's amazing. That goes exactly to early uh, athlete specialization that we talked about with Christian Thibodeau recently mm-hmm. and how I, I'm a big believer in and not having this, like, hockey players just playing hockey around nonstop showcases just constantly on the ice, but to actually have them do different types of sports or even training modalities. And I treat uh, resistance training for my young athletes as a different sport. I specifically do not try to mimic the movement patterns that they're doing on the ice in the gym setting. I actually want different lines of stress on their bodies and I want to get them just strong and resilient as possible. So the way, again, it's almost like a different sport. And in this case, yeah, you're going to have a kid who's doing two different sports. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, let's build athletes and strong, resilient, well-rounded human beings instead of, you know, one-track mind-minded. So another question <clears throat> along the lines of this stuff, too, because you talk about training master's athletes. And we just had Paul Oniad on here. And actually, if you're listening to this, Paul's podcast would be last week. And we're talking about one of my favorite pet peeves is coaches who try to turn 
older people into competitive powerlifters, mm. but there's a difference here. So there is inspiring people to enjoy this and understand that they can versus a coach who is marketing themselves heavily based upon winning medals because they've got a 55 year old woman in a certain weight class. There's no one else in that weight class. They go and lift and all of a sudden you're bragging about their medals on your social media to try to yeah, lure more yeah. people in. So you know, yeah. any thoughts on kind of riding that, like walking that line? Um, sure. Well, I think, I think really it depends on what, what the client in front of you wants, right? I mean, if they, if they want to, you know, lose some weight, then let's focus on weight loss. If they want to get into powerlifting, sure, let's do that. Um, but I think keeping all of those options open is the most important thing, especially early on in the coaching relationship so that, um, so that we can go in whatever direction we want. But, um, but it's good to not be a one trick pony and say, okay, well, I'm going to take this person who had no interest in powerlifting and we're, I'm going to train you to be a powerlifter and then and I'm going to damn well make sure that you start to like it. Um, and you know, is that the best way to go about it? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, might work really great for some people, but for other people, it's not, you get, a, you know, you get lots of women who come in and they're still a little bit afraid of starting to look like a man if they start lifting anything heavy. Um, and that's, and that's still a thing, especially with that older generation. Um, you know, we still, you know, we don't lose those, those beliefs that easily. Right. So, um, so really, I mean, it's, the most important thing is like, let's, let's get you stronger. Let's get you functioning better. Let's deal with whatever pain you're in because everybody who's 55 plus has got some kind of pain, um, just because of mileage, cause we've been on the planet for longer and then let's deal with that and then go whatever direction you want to go. So, I mean, if you want to pick up a barbell, great. If you don't want to ever pick up a barbell, that's okay too. Just made me think of one of my favorite quotes on a television show ever. I don't watch much TV anymore, but the show Justified is one of my favorites. <clears throat> it's Timothy Oliphant. Picture him saying this. You know what they say, growing old ain't for pussies. <laughs> I don't think she, Hannah used that one. <laughs> but well, you I will now. I don't think I've ever said those words, but yeah, I might. I think it's we'll true. See. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> Getting old sucks. It's, you know, it's a hard thing to get your head around too, because you've got all these, you know, potentially limiting factors in front of you. Like, you know, my client whose, whose feet weren't working for the first, you know, six or eight weeks of her programming, then, you know, now she's... Now she's branching off, now she's doing other stuff, and that's awesome. It's a glass half full approach. That would be the political correct, not pussies. Okay. I think they both apply. I think they both apply. I mean, you can't yeah, see yeah, it's, it's, all about, it's all about the client. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Context matters, that relationship. Yeah, you probably shouldn't lead with that. I wouldn't like, lead with that one, but I might. I would definitely use it if they were game for it because it's so much more effective. Yeah. Like that quote is so much more effective than me. Like you know, as you get older, like things stop working. Oh, I know what our title of our podcast is going to be. So, what, what's the what? <laughs> growing old? Think of her pussies. <laughs> That'll work. Uh, it's, see, oh, it's, it's so many comments. We well, it'll get attention. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> we. We've also danced all over and mentioned, you know, you now have a full year pretty much, or mm -hmm. I think it's like really close to a, when's your one year anniversary of being an independent trader on your own? It was last May. What, so, so how long has this been? It's been so, 15 months. Oh, so it actually months. was May. Okay. Yeah. So in my mind it was in the summer. It, so. Have we had, you know what's crazy though? It's, I don't, I don't even realize it, but we haven't had, like we have, we've been on this podcast for more than a year. I keep thinking it's been a year. 
it's, but it's not two years. So that's and you were so long ago that we're like, yeah. oh, it's last year, but that was almost a year and a half ago. I think we released our first one the weekend. I was in Renton outside of Seattle at Luca Hosevar's. Uh, we gotta stop business, basing like our our timelines off the podcast because it's totally fucked up. Yeah. It's been how many months? <laughs> it's we're been almost about years. sixteen months. Yeah. Sixteen. <laughs> that's crazy. It cool. is crazy, right? It's been wild. So, but that's the, you know, we're, we're all getting old. Yeah, yeah no it shit. doesn't feel like that much time has gone by. So, is there anything about the process that has kind of been different than what you expected? Any unique, interesting surprises and challenges? Or, and how did the expectation and the fear uh, compare to the reality of being on your own? Because <laughs> I know you're shit. I think that's what it shit baked of it back then. Yes, uh, I still am. Um, the fear has not gone away. Um, you know, there's there's always that fear that you know the ground will fall out from underneath mm-hmm. us, and uh, and we'll be you know s- scrambling for whatever scraps we can find. But um, but it's been awesome, and it's actually been you know it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me professionally. Um, as far as you know, surprises. It hasn't it hasn't been super surprising. The, I guess the the most surprising thing is how easy it's been. Yeah. Um, it's mm-hmm. been. The transition was easy. I keep waiting for it to not be easy, but um, but I think that if you approach it with the right attitude, and um, and just say, okay, well, I'm going to be I'm going to be flexible, and I'm going to develop all these different streams, and you know, all these all these opportunities that are limitless, really, if if you have the, the drive to go after them, um, you know, if you if you have a couple of clients that go on holidays, that uh, just opens up time to do other stuff, and you can write, and you can create content, and you can go out and you know talk to people and go to all these networking events. There's so many opportunities that that weren't there before that that are there now, which is think, awesome. I think we all were kind of confined within this rigid box of the way that we thought about how mm-hmm. you you build sessions and how you build clientele in your own business. And then as we watch, because, you know, a lot of our friends have, have joined us in this. Yeah. So you look at someone like uh, Chris Sharkey, who works with you downtown. And I know Chris has been able to expand his hockey training program, his athletic stuff. Uh, our friend Jordan Taylor, who's at the Evolve North, has done wonderfully with this stuff, with a lot of his athletic programs for youth. Um, I haven't, I, I know, well, obviously, Dean himself has probably expanded even a little bit more the way that he has structured things. And sometimes I think, like, I still probably do a lot of the same stuff, <clears throat> you know, the same session model, but I've still been able to expand into different uh, clientele bases, and of course, I'm doing more with my writing. Uh, and then someone like Andy Sidor, you know, Andy's been doing this for probably so long, and the old system has really worked for him. It's a really good system if you want to work within it. So um, hopefully you've taken the best of all the stuff that, you know, because you were really successful even before, mm-hmm. and then been able to expand outside of it. Yeah, and I mean... We're, we're really lucky in that we, we work in this industry where the opportunities of growth are you know limitless in all directions and you can go wherever you want um, and that's not something that was you know necessarily available to us when we worked for in, in a more corporate setting and um, even that realization that it's there we talked about that with Sam Pogue was this like what fitness what the fitness industry actually is is not what a lot of people think it is I think you go get a job at a gym and then you're a trainer and like that's all there is but like there's so many avenues to go in and we've seen that just through all the guests we've been exposed to a lot personally mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things even I'm doing something totally different than what I thought and that's because if you look at fitness as just that box gym where you go do your sessions you literally shut yourself off to literally thousands of fitness jobs that have nothing some of them have nothing to do with training even 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, if you're get if you're just starting in the industry, starting in a box gym is is the best yes. place to start because that's where you cut your teeth and that's how you that's how you learn to relate to all sorts of different kinds of people because you know you see all these all these kids that come out of school and they've been practicing on each other and the first person in front of you is you know a 66 year old person with all sorts of injuries and mileage and stuff and, and but you ain't no pussy yeah they ain't no pussy you can't treat them like one otherwise they'll walk away um but you know if if all you've ever done is worked on training your friends then yeah. then you're limited right but um but getting started in a box gym gets you you know gets you the chances to work with all sorts of different types of people and you know, you can work with all sorts of other trainers too, and that's and that's super important too. You know, having having a wide variety of different people to sort of watch and learn from is super important. And I think you know we're super lucky because we work at Evolve and we have that base of different trainers. And you know, if you don't know how to approach something, or if you get somebody that you're maybe not the best fit for, then you have all these other people that you can say, okay, well maybe I can ask somebody else for some you know for some advice, or maybe. And, you know, if it's really not going to work, you can pass them off to somebody else that well, might be a better fit. I was even talking about that. I was actually just at a vlog yesterday um, with an old buddy, but mm -hmm. I was explaining to him the system and he's like, yeah, this is like the best gym I've ever been to. But like a lot of the trainers know what they're doing. And it's not like only trainers at big box gyms don't know. But when you are good enough to take your business solo and people come to you, that means you've done something enough to like, I guess, warrant that or earn it. Um, but when you're in that environment, you're around all those people. You're around all the big hitters now, mm -hmm. which is a good thing because now you're surrounded by generally the best people who've built their business up from having new practices. So it's just, it seems like a good environment to learn that stuff because everyone is a potential to learn from because they've all put in the work because you can't just yeah. show up to evolve and you need clients to sustain your business. So you have to have built that background. Yeah. And you, and you do see, you know, every once in a while you'll see somebody who's just out of school and they'll show up and evolve and they don't usually last very long, which is unfortunate, but, um, but it's hard really, to keep up. It is. Yeah. Like, everyone's badass there. And, the, and <laughs> as much as you guys are all friends, you guys are all still fighting for the industry, even though there's more than enough people, like you're putting all the best people in one spot, which is good. And all the, all, everything rises with what, what's the quote you probably know? What? High tides or, or I don't know. Um, yeah. But it also tides, it also it also rising tides lift all ships. But it also fucks the new person because they're basically <laughs> they're they're pert on a they're pert on the same level as someone who, who's tech, maybe not better but generally like a lot more experience. So that's a, that's a tough that's a tough. It's also on you to go out and do the work. I mean, there's a um, there's a trainer at Evolve South and his clientele is almost exclusively uh, Mandarin students. So. He's got social media access and this network that I don't have access to. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> since I've been there, he's been one of the busiest trainers in that place. And he's got this dedicated clientele. You can tell that they have really good relationships. And, you know, the most of the clients are walking in to train with me, wouldn't go and train with this guy, or does he have access to them? And there is there's so much room to find people who still want to there's train. So much. Yeah. yeah. And I think the <clears throat> other the other thing about you know, working at a place like Evolve is that nobody's going to walk in there shopping for a trainer. No. It Generally happens, people, but it's rare. It yeah. does happen. I've had it happen a few times, but it... Yeah, but it doesn't happen very much. And and so generally, like, the people who are coming to train with me or coming to train with Chris Sharkey or Andy, um, they found them from somewhere else. And, 
and they come in with the idea that they're going to train with this person. They're not walking in and saying, okay, well, I'm going to watch everybody train for a little while and then pick the person that I think is mm -hmm. going to work the best for me. So, um, it's just different. So, yeah, yeah. And you have to have you have so, to have built that idea around yourself so people understand what you are, which yeah. when you're yeah. Yeah, and it's not like working at like a box gym where where they send you out with a clipboard and they say, Okay, go and talk to all the people who are on the cardio <laughs> machines and see if they want to train. Well, you all even um, look the same. Because you're all wearing a uniform, yeah. you have your clipboard, like and that's mm -hmm. another like probably added benefit is you can wear whatever you want. But there's more personality involved, even though you, you can do that with the structure. You kind of you kind of wear your flag at evolve like you're wearing a weightlifting shirt right now so people know you know what I mean so yeah, like yeah. you can kind of be yourself a little bit more. He's wearing a Herx Army shirt like your meathead like, <laughs> but people know what they get as opposed to well there's just a bunch of trainers in red shirts. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And I find myself a lot more relaxed about you know what anyone else is doing because we're not yeah we're all under the evolve umbrella but we're all independent we're all wearing different uniforms, whereas like a big pet peeve of mine was anyone that I was sharing a uniform with who was doing anything that I felt was unprofessional, which unfortunately was very common, then I felt like it reflected on all of us, right? So, but yeah, I've completely yeah, mellowed out on that sort of stuff. And I still think it's really important that trainers conduct themselves with absolute professionalism, that they're not, you know, fucking around with their clients and, and sleeping with clients, I think is a really, really bad one. And that's still a no-no. <laughs> Don't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> How do we get here every time? Well, it's just an e that's an easy one. Uh, but uh, what else is good? You know, like shit, like just people constantly on their phones and stuff like that too. It, there's just something about being in a uniform in that sort of setting that I think that stuff looks a little worse. And I've grown to be a little bit more relaxed about it when I see it in uh, in, in a private setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, because ultimately it doesn't affect you. Like that, that appearance is, like you said, if someone's doing it and when everyone looks the same, they're assuming that you're all the same. When you have your own business, like literally if you want to be on your phone all day and people want to pay for that, like that's on you. Like that's what you can build your business however you want. You know what? I benefited from it before too because I would get 90% of the walk-up business in the commercial facility that I was in because of the conduct level that I set for myself and professionalism. And then, and maybe it's my stature compared to everybody else, but there's, you know, a bunch of really fit looking people there too. And for whatever reason, most of the floor walk-up business would approach me. And I got tons of clients that way. So, and again, if you want to conduct yourself professionally, you're going to benefit from it. People are going to see that. If you really don't give a shit, you're probably going to suffer for it as a trainer. So I think it's kind of a no-brainer, but you know, to each your own. Yeah. I, will be, I will happily take people finding and approaching me if they're shopping between yourself and myself. And I, I say yourself as in anyone who is in the industry. If you're not going to hold yourself to a certain standard, I will set a standard for myself and I will happily take the client. That being said, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I am of abundance mindset where I want to help everybody. I have tried to, I recently tried to refer a friend to you. Uh, I've sent people to our other friend, Sean Hessman, who's at, uh, at downtown and anyone else that I feel I trust who is geographically close to and has a skill set to help someone and is the best fit for them. Absolutely. So mm -hmm. I've referred tons of clients to other trainers in the city. Yeah. And all the people who come to you for peeing, you're going to send them to hell. Yeah, God, that's a no-brainer, actually. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you know, you get someone yeah. who's got that sort of issue, like, you need to deal with them because you have that specialization, right? That skill set that's very, very few people in our industry do. Yeah, for sure. Are we going to do the book one? Absolutely, we're doing the book one. Yeah. So, you've read something in the last... Like it hasn't been a yeah. year, it's been 16 oh, months. And we were always fucking around with this stuff, and of course, you know, here's the swearing, it's kind of a precursor to it, but you even put up a post a while back you know, with all of the, the books, with the titles, with swearing in them, oh God, and making yes. fun of this shit. And it's such low-hanging fruit, but it is sort of a pet peeve of mine. 
And sort of. so, yeah, what, what have you been reading that's actually really good? Oh, well, um, man, where do I start? So you've read, read that's good. Yeah, I do read a book once okay. in a while. Yeah. Crazy, hey? Yeah. Um, I don't read a lot that's not related to work, which is kind of too bad. But the one thing that, um, that I'm really enjoying right now, and this book is taking me forever to get through, um, is, <clears throat> I can't even remember what it's called right now, but it is, is produced by the, um, by the director of the TED program. Um, and it cool. is aimed at getting me better at presenting to a large group of people. So he's talking, so they, they go through. It's called TED Talks. Yeah. No, it's <clears> called, <throat> it's, yeah. it, it's, it's got that called. in the title. Talk, talk like TED. Talk like TED? No, not, not it? That's not it. So go read that one. Same thing. It's, oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's like really good. <laughs> anyway, and it's fantastic because, you know, it, it's all about building a rapport with an audience and he talks about the different, you know, different kinds of talks and the kind of traction that you get from from taking this approach or that approach, but he also talks a lot about, you know, this person did this and that person did that. And so I have no choice except to go and watch the talk that he, mm -hmm. that he, you know, uses it as an example in the book. And, um, and so it's taking forever, but I'm learning all sorts of different wacky things because, because I'm, you know, watching all these different TED talks. Um, yeah, Dean and I were talking, I was, I was telling Dean about it the other day and, and we were talking about how, um, one of, one of these talks was about, um, I can't remember what it was, I can't even remember where we were going with it, but, um, but this woman was talking about sex and how men are, in, you know, <laughs> this is going, going back to our pussy theme for today. Yeah. Um, Might as well just stick how, with how it. Men have to, you know, men need to pleasure their wives in order to... With their um, long urethras. With their long urethras. Or short. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in order to um, in order to increase the odds of fertilizing an egg, and so um, apparently, if women have an orgasm, or th the idea years and years ago was that if women have an orgasm during sex, then they will be more likely to um, to have that egg Thanks. fertilized, um, which is actually not a thing in human beings, but in animals, it is absolutely a thing, and if. You know, and if you pleasure the female animal, yeah. then um, then they have bigger, more, um, more bigger, healthier babies. Anyway, so I ended up watching this TED talk where they showed a picture of this Dutch farmer trying to pleasure this massive sow to get her to reproduce as he's artificially inseminating her. And, uh, and let me tell you, you have to be really rough with a 400 pound sow to get her to feel anything. So anyway, um, how? In the book, it actually says, don't watch this talk if you have children in your house. And I was like, my kids aren't going to walk in. Sure no enough, way. my 14-year-old daughter walked in while I'm watching this guy Fist, um, fist. fisting this cell. And it really was like... <laughs> yeah. He had to be really rough with her. He was jumping up and down on her back and kicking oh, her box. And, really? Yeah. It was wild. But anyway... What so, people will do for money because like they need the strongest horse. Oh, is that a horse? What's a sow? Sow, cow. Oh my cow. god! Seriously, it's a pig. Pig. Oh shit! There you go. <laughs> sow, right? Pig. Yeah, because cow is cow. Okay. Yeah. Is that does it work the same for horses? Really no, because they they don't artificially inseminate horses. Don't they? I think that I the no the idea. horse goes. We are so far out of our depth. No, they have. Point. They actually have real. Anyway, horses. it's a cool book. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
and then uh, and then the other one that I'm, I'm I'm rereading a couple of books that I was reading probably a year ago. One is Peak Performance, and then the other one is um, Brett Bartholomew's book, which is fantastic. And I keep I keep buying it and then lending it out to people and saying, "Look, you have to read this book if you're going to be a trainer." And it's called. Um, Oh, God. Conscious coaching. Yeah, conscious coaching. Yeah, Thank fantastic. you. Like, I have like yeah. two because I did the same awesome. thing. I lost I it and then I found it. <clears throat> I have a signed copy that no one gets. I get to hang out yeah. with Brett and talk to him. He's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, for sure. Did you, did you finish it? I finished it multiple times. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and I think I just bought my fifth copy because I went to pull it out to look at something again and I was like, Jesus, I fucking. See, lent I, it to somebody and it's gone. I can't remember. I read it, it and it like it helped like my coaching, obviously. But all I could think about was like all the personalities on because he he's a, he trains athletes. But mm-hmm. it was just like I was picturing my like my football career and like just piecing all these people with all the people I played with, and it's so like all like the avatars for these people. It's, it's so true. Yeah. Like it's it's almost like uncanny. One of the most interesting elements of it is when he gets into the dark triad of traits: Machiavellianism, yeah. narcissism, mm-hmm. and sociopathy, and not unilaterally just demonizing these traits as being entirely yeah. bad. And that sometimes, I mean, if you study up on this stuff, there are actually benefits to some of these traits as long as they don't manifest in the worst possible human behaviors. Well, and fostering it is is a good thing. Like sometimes like stroking athletes' ego for some people is a good thing, even though ego is bad. Like for, for peak performance, sometimes it's like, like let them be a narcissist. Like at least you'll win. Depends on how that narcissism plays. But that, that's what I mean. So like, it can be good, and it, it can be good, and it can be bad. Because some people fucking hate that guy. Yeah. A lot of people yeah, hate that guy. Can, you can use that in the gym and on the field and everything, though, too, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what the book is about. It's about actually being able to channel that stuff for good versus letting it manifest mm-hmm. for you know the bad that we see. Uh, most recently, now it's free agency period in the NBA and NHL. And you sometimes see players that gain bad reputations for being bad guys in the locker room. And I think the NBA one, Kyrie Irving, has got a bit of a bad reputation. I mean, the guy's also a flat earther, so I'm not exactly big. Then again, so is he Shaq. actually? Oh, he's totally a flat earther. Yeah. How can you so be is Shaq, and I still like. How that. can you be like literally a multi-millionaire and not like understand that? Jenny McCarthy is anti-vaccine, right? And like you can literally take a private jet around like to the fucking end of the earth because you're that rich. Like so some of the people who are flat earthers, they don't have enough money to go find the end of the earth. Like you're yeah, this is true. Although, um, did you know that the flat Earth movement has its roots here in Edmonton? What? Yeah. Like that's where it started. I, I kind of I just saw the um, documentary. It's not necessarily where it started, but um, but we had the first global flat Earth symposium in Edmonton. That one of the documentary yeah, was that. that one of the documentary global. was global. here. Yeah. Well, there's a few of them. There's the document. I think we talked about this. There's the flat Earther documentary. It's actually really really good. Maybe I just talked. I don't so, watch documentaries about this kind of bullshit. No, it's not. It's 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 actually good because it's it's biased because the guy who's filming it isn't a flat earther, but like they go to like the roots of like one of there's two movements. There's the one crazy guy and then the one they're both crazy, but one's less crazy and less like politically like the one guy is like conspiracy theory, the other guy is like no, it's science based. But anyways, it's it was really good, like really sad. Um, the picture show was like where it lost me. Like how the, the projections of the stars and the sun is literally just a video. There's something about, I, I started reading a book, I didn't finish it, but it was actually about conspiracy theorists. And one of the funny aspects, this might make some sense to people, is there are different degrees of belief in conspiracy theory. And there are different severities of belief within individuals' conspiracies. So within conspiracy theorists, some of them, who are more the moderates, 
They're like, they look at the people who are really smart. Like those people are yeah. fucking crazy. Like those people are off the deep end. But my belief, my beliefs are okay. That was this movie to a T. It's just like this guy's crazy, and then the, you're like watching it, like you're crazy. But he's very well spoken and like awesome. Yeah. Like I would be friends with that dude if he didn't talk about this. Oh well, that's that's the thing about conspiracy theorists and anybody anybody who's selling any kind of snake oil or anything is that you know they're confidence artists, yeah. right? And and they usually are these really magnetic personalities yeah. who can present themselves well and you see this in the fitness industry all the time where they can you know these guys can present themselves really really well and then there's no substance behind it and they start find saying out later but um, but they've got you know which also has some of its roots in Edmonton yeah. <laughs> but like these amazing charismatic people um, at the at the heads of these weird movements where you know they're but that goes back to the speech, that, that ties in even to like the TED Talks. Like a lot of those people have charisma. They're talking about generally, like they, they, they vet people. Um, but yes, they, that's why they're successful in their presentations. They, they let a woman speak about how pedof- what is it, pedophilia was like a normal sexual orientation. So I got really? a little bit of an issue with that one. Really? Yeah. Really? Holy crap. Yeah, there's a TED Talk about that stuff. That, that got the conservatives pretty riled up pretty bad. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I can, that, that, that would do it. Yeah, that would trigger the shit out of them. Was it? At least, was it good? I, Did you it should, it? I didn't watch it because I don't watch this crap. But <laughs> I think that it should trigger the hell out of any sane human person to legitimize that. And accuse up that with like uh, pigs getting fisted. Yeah, this episode. Holy shit! <laughs> for anyone who thinks, for anyone who thinks like it's it's just like an old boys club, like we definitely will fuck around <laughs> and joke with anyone about this shit. <laughs> It just has to come up Sorry. from the speaker. It's like Hannah brought it up, so now we can go there. But if Hannah didn't bring that up, like we, I wouldn't have talked about pigs getting inseminated. Like you that's wouldn't? A, no, I didn't even know that's what they did. I literally, I was like, I like Andrew. He thought it was a cow, and I thought it was a horse, and it was a pig. Like I don't. What do you call it? A sow. A sow. Like Large, never heard that. Barnyard animal. Oh my. Like I learn, I say this every time, I learn something new every time because someone will bring something and I'm like, wait, we have to talk about this. Uh, I wish we didn't talk about that one, but. Oh, come on. I do. It was actually like so awesome. I like, I, sometimes I just wish people say offside stuff so that it's not on me because I literally, I keep, I'm pretty professional when I want to be, but I'll go, I'll go dark side if I need to. Um, Yeah. For for the four people who remain listening to this at this point. We gotta tell them where to find Hannah. Yeah, like where's the, and especially because stuff. like you talked to before this, but like you're gonna you're starting to write for another publication. Where's the best place to see you and some of the upcoming projects you have? Um, my website grayareastrength.com, gray with an A. Um, everything is on there, and uh, yeah, otherwise on Instagram, Gray Area Strength, Facebook, just under me, Hannah Gray. Um, yeah. And you're speaking. Which day are you speaking? <laughs> We have the we, we have our symposium on the fourteenth and fifteenth. Because I haven't memorized which speakers are. No, on you're, like, you're the so. second day. Mine, mine is easy because I'm first. Okay, never mind. I was like, oh, you're the second day. You're no, definitely I'm, the first I'm, day. I'm, yeah, nine o'clock in the morning on the Saturday. Cool. And you're talking about. Talking about starting with strength, building strong, resilient, happy people. Cool. And you're not going to bring up the stuff we talked about at the end. Sounds. No, probably not. Okay. Probably not. Okay, Unless good. somebody asks a question about it. In oh, case don't don't but, don't know, leave that open. <laughs> you'll find somebody in the audience. To I can ask questions. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna behave yourself. I will behave myself. 
You'll behave yourself. Guys, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it, and it's always wonderful having you back. And it's fun. guys, again, like, you know, f- go and follow, check out what she's doing, uh, especially if you're a trainer in the Edmonton area and you want to see someone who's got a ton of experience, has been really successful, has had, you know, ups and downs within the industry. If you want to go back and listen to her first episode, we talk a lot more about, you know, your journey, you know, weight loss and kind of your identity within that as a trainer too, which was really cool to see. So yeah, go check out that episode and hopefully you'll stick around. We've got... EJ Paris uh, next week, if we time this all right, we're about to go record with him. And he's a local Edmonton trainer. He's a former Olympian and pretty much a widely considered to be one of the nicest guys in our industry. So thanks. Cool. Shut up and sit down.